Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. And we'll give you a call-in number a little bit later on in the show. And to let you call in if you have any questions about the topic today. And the topic on Blog Talk, which occurred just before this show, was the Johnson Amendment. And, uh, of course, that is just an opportunity to lead into this concept of 501c3 churches, uh, which is a concept uh, that, uh, or at least a subject matter that... uh, allows us to lead into what the church really is supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like, what it's supposed to be doing, and from what spirit is it to be operating. Because if you don't understand the spirit of Christ, you will not understand the spirit of the church, because the church is an institution of Christ. It is created by Christ. It was the kingdom of God. Christ came to take the kingdom away from the Pharisees, who said they had no king but Caesar anyway, and to give it to another who would bear fruit, which was the apostles. And they did bear fruit. From those twelve men came thousands on Pentecost who accepted Jesus Christ as king, received his baptism instead of the baptism of Herod. They began to operate as a government, a government of God. The difference between the government of God and the government of the world is that the government of God does not exercise authority one over the other. It operates in this perfect law of liberty by the Spirit of Christ who came not to rule over you but to set you free. Yes, Christ wants to rule. His Spirit wants to rule in your hearts and your minds individually. But He is not going to be like Satan the adversary of God who wants to force you if you don't agree with him he wants to force you to comply with his wishes with his desires with his spirit that characteristic of wanting to force others to comply to your will is the spirit of Cain the spirit of Lamech the spirit of Nimrod the spirit of the Pharaoh the wicked Pharaoh the spirit of Caesar, the wicked Caesars, which most Caesars were pretty wicked. They were workers of iniquity. And if your church has taken on that spirit, you too may be counted as workers of iniquity because you want to exercise authority one over the other. Now, of course, governments of the world constitutional orders and systems of government of the world. That's what the word world often means in the Bible is those constitutional orders or systems of government which Jesus' kingdom is not a part of. Which Jesus' appointed church, the called out ministers of that kingdom are not a part of. Those constitutional orders or systems of government. They're separate. They're the church. and The church is separate from the state. The church is the called out It's not the congregation. The congregation is the people seeking the kingdom. The ministers that Christ appointed, his disciples who he trained up and appointed the kingdom to, were to be the princes of a kingdom that did not exercise authority but operated according to the perfect law of liberty. They would provide all the social welfare of the people. But uniquely, they would be providing it through free will offerings. 
through faith, hope, and charity. Faith in God's liberty. Faith in God's natural law, His divine will. And we talked about this in Blog Talk, but these will be separate recordings available eventually. Blog Talk will be available as soon as I get it up. Right after the show is over, I have to take off to go uh, spend a few days with a group doing Feast of Tabernacles in Cape Junction. And uh, we'll be over there uh, for a few days uh, spreading the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, Nitsan is already over there. And Darren will be there. And others that uh, have been a part of our retreat over here will be over there. And what we're going to try to do is get as many different groups across the country, and all of you can work at this, uh, interested in coming to his church at Summer Lake and camping for a week or two or three, whatever it takes. So maybe you can come early and help us prepare because there's a lot of, depending on the number of people coming, there may be a great deal of preparation. We may need some funds to, to build uh, extra restrooms and, and toilet facilities. Uh, it'll be somewhat primitive, but we want to keep it all hygiene and, and uh, properly put together. But uh, if we get more and more people interested, we'll have to build more and more facilities. Uh, but most of the people will come somewhat self-contained. But there will be a lot of work to do. And the more people we can come, we have room for about 100,000 or 144,000 people camping on this property. And, uh, of course, in this valley, we've got room for a million or so. Oh, I don't know. We could feed a million. We probably could in the whole the Summer Lake Basin. We could probably feed a million. Right now, the population is very, very small. Evidently, the United States government doesn't even think we warrant a post office. They're trying to take the only post office in in about a uh, 50-mile stretch away uh, from uh, this area. And the post office is only open a few hours a day anyway. But uh, uh, that's uh, that's another whole story. The reality is is that this is a very remote area. And, uh, but it's a very beautiful area surrounded by mountains. Uh, it's a valley called Summer Lake because in the middle of winter there's often grass growing. Uh, it's very mild here in our little mobile office today. Uh, and uh, hopefully it'll stay mild here until uh, midwinter. We're working on a way in which we won't freeze to death here. But uh, this uh, this idea of having a retreat here, a fall festival, a feast of tabernacles, a feast of booths, uh, whatever you want to call it, our theme this year, and maybe for now on, will be the Burning Bush uh, Festival, Fall Festival. Uh, we'll pile up a bunch of greased wood and set it on fire somewhere along the line. This is going to be a counter uh, to uh, the Burning Man, which is attracted 50,000 people a year uh, to a place down in uh, Nevada. We're, we're going to have the Burning Bush uh, Fall Tabernacles Festival, but the real value of this is to bring people from all over the country, from all kinds of different congregations together, so that they meet and exchange ideas and commune with one another and meet with one another. Because there is something going on in the United States and in every country, from Australia to uh, New Zealand to England to what have you, where people are beginning to take a look at alternatives 
to what they presently have. There is a certain uh, commonality to governments of the world today that has never existed before in our history, where just about everywhere you go, we see these authoritarian benefactors who are not really benefactors, but exercise authority. Socialism is on the rise in almost every country, although it's taken a few steps back in Cuba because, according to Castro, socialism, communism has failed. We still have people here in the United States that are moving more and more to that and don't know what to do about it. They can't seem to vote in uh, somebody who doesn't have... Uh, those socialistic approach to solving the world's problems. And so they said, well, what do we do? Well, this is where comes in what I call the fourth branch of government. And I said earlier that there are three branches of government, uh, the executive and judicial and, and uh, congressional branches of government. Uh, but there is a fourth branch of government that really is the first branch of government, which is the people. And that's very important, that if you're not the government, somebody else will step forward and be the government for you, because nature abhors a vacuum. So if you aren't governing yourself in your society, in your community, in a way in which you have no need for any other branch of government, then the branches of government that do exist will become more and more powerful. And that's what we've seen over the last 100 years. The people have negated their responsibilities, and therefore they have lost their rights. If they want their rights back, they don't get them back by demanding their rights. They get them back by requiring themselves to accept their responsibilities. Themselves on an individual basis. You want your rights back, you have to take back your responsibilities. Now... There was a recent article I said I would address this. Uh, we're going to be talking about this whole concept of 501c3 and the Johnson Amendment some more. But let's go on to talk about uh, Chuck Baldwin's recent article, States Have No Rights. Well, of course, states have no rights until people give them rights. States are created by people. They're not created by God. They weren't endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Uh, they were endowed by their creators with, with certain legal rights. And those legal rights are found in things like constitutions and contracts and agreements that you've made individually. That's why they always want you to swear under penalty of perjury is because then that's an agreement that you already agreed to the penalties of perjury as defined in their statutes. So once you swear under that, then they have authority to prosecute you under the penalties of perjury. If you say, uh, well, I'm bound by my conscience under the Ten Commandments not to bear false witness, then you haven't agreed to their penalty of perjury because uh, you're bound under God. But they want to bind you under them. And that's really what that's all about. But in his article, he says uh, in a recent column appearing on Infowars.com, uh, Kurt Nemo, I think that's the way you pronounce that, Nemo, uh, succinctly and correctly pointed out that the federal government's usurpation of state sovereignty, jurisdiction, and authority is worsening. Well, the key word here is usurpation. Usurpation is seizing a use that does not, the federal government does not have a right to. Now, there may be some usurpation by the federal government over the states. 
But the reality is most of the power that the federal government has within the states today has nothing to do with the limitations of the Constitution. It has to do with the privileges and rights of the Constitution under the power to contract. You see, why did, uh, why did uh, Hitler march into Austria? Well, there were a lot of Germans in Austria that wanted them there. And there were actually Austrians that wanted them there and applied for German protection. And so Germany simply came in. So if there's a lot of citizens in the individual states that want the protection of the federal government, who want the provisions of the federal government, who want the coverture of the federal government, then by that nature, by that natural law, the federal government is no longer usurping when it comes in to address what those citizens want. You see, the citizens of each state are no longer citizens of that state. They're residents in that state, but they're citizens of the United States. As a matter of fact, even the Congress and governors of those states are federal citizens, United States citizens, by virtue of the 14th Amendment and other subsequent acts, subject to the administration of government. What government? Federal government. And so, therefore, what they call an unwarranted usurpation or an usurpation of the state's sovereignty is simply not true. The states have abandoned their sovereignty in exchange for benefits and protection and uh, uh, the coverture of the federal government. So the federal government has every right to be dictating things within that state because the federal government has the responsibility for the citizens. Why do you have to put a seatbelt on? Because if you get injured in a car, who's going to take care of you? Daddy. Your father, the government, the federal government. And it allows, I mean, it allows the states to manage some of those programs. But And almost every single program from birth certificates on, it's federal monies that are financing that in part. So the, the camel's nose is in the tent. The camel's head is in the tent. The whole darn camel's in the tent of states' rights. States don't have rights. States have not exercised their rights. They have applied to the federal government for benefits. And the federal government has obliged them. And not asserted power, but is required to exercise a power and authority. The, The little freedoms that the states now enjoy, or still enjoy, are privileges of their status as corporations of the federal government. It is not 1776 anymore. It is not 1850 anymore. Things have changed. And people who want to apply principles of the past to the present must consider the history between then and now. And they're they're not doing that. Nemo begins in its continuing effort to pare down the number of Americans who can exercise their rights under the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms has sent a letter to firearm dealers informing them that medical patients addicted to legally uh, dispense medical marijuana have no right to own and possess firearms. Well, it's only a small step to people on Ritalin, Prozac, Valium, 
any of these other drugs uh, that can have an effect on you emotionally or, or psychologically, psychotropic drugs, which are constantly prescription, you would no longer have access to firearms and you would have to turn in all your guns. And personally, I don't think you should be on those drugs, but the reality is that's reasonable. That's reasonable. I mean, who's going to be responsible for the injuries of the people? He says here, the number of Americans. It's not the number of Americans. It's the number of U.S. citizens that are looking to the United States government for protection. The mere fact that he says rights under the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Your rights weren't originally under the Constitution or Bill of Rights. You weren't a party to the Constitution even. Read Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions. It's free online. You know, you can download the whole book free online at hisholychurch.org. The people weren't a party to the Constitution. They weren't given a voice in it. They weren't allowed to vote for it. If they had voted for it, they would have voted it down. The historians agree to that. But now they think that our rights come from the Constitution. You do not want to be in a position where you have to claim your rights under the Constitution. The government was to be under the Constitution. Your rights were to be separate and come from God, under God. He goes on, uh, according to uh, Arthur Herbert, Assistant Director of Enforcement Programs of uh, and services of the ATF. Any person who uses the addicted marijuana, regardless of whether his or her state has passed legislation authorizing marijuana use uh, medicinal purposes, is an unlawful user or addicted to a controlled substance and is prohibited by federal law from possessing firearms or ammunition. Anyway, it goes on in the article, but the fact is, is the premise of the article at the beginning is false. Your rights are not to be under the Constitution. Your rights are to be under God. Now, where do I get this from? And I quoted this in uh, our blog talk uh, show, but I, I, it's very important that people understand this. So we'll quote it again. We're going to cover this subject in much more detail. And we're going to get around to the church and the spiritual nature of the church before we're done. But Blackstone says that man considered as a creature must necessarily be subject to the laws of his creator. For he is entirely a dependent being. And consequently, as man depends absolutely upon his maker for everything, it is necessary that he should in all points conform to his maker, maker's will divine will this will of his maker is called the law of nature divine will and the law of nature are really synonymous terms so when they say by the law of nature and nature's god they're talking about the divine will of god the father the creator of man the creator of the universe the creator of what now a lot of people say oh, i'm an atheist i don't believe in that well you know you know, I live out in nature. I've seen the workings of it. This is not an accident. You know, you don't want to call him God. You don't want to call him Creator. You, you don't want to call him Jehovah or Yahweh. Okay. But this is this universe is a product of intelligent creation. Whatever you want to call him, there is a divine 
creative force, uniform throughout the universe, that holds the atoms together, that holds the molecules together. The complexities of creation are, are beyond anything you can imagine. And uh, the varied struggle for life, things struggling to exist, to remain alive, it's not simply a chemical reaction. A highly evolved chemical reaction. I could see that. You know, with all my science background, way back when I was a kid, winning, you know, first uh, prizes in Houston Greater Science Fair, uh, I still I see God in everything. And even some of your greatest scientists, you know, there's no question about it. They see God hand and everything so but this law of nature is divine will and is recognized as such in the law by men like Blackstone these laws laid down by God are the eternal immutable laws of good and evil now remember the tree of the knowledge of good and evil this law of nature dictated by God himself is, of course, superior in obligation to any other. It is binding over all the globe, in all countries, and at all times. No human laws are of any validity if contrary to this. Well, the fact is, you have the right to contract, to agree, to apply. And I've given the example before. If a man is starving to death in the mountains and he comes upon a goat with a collar on it and there's nobody around and if he doesn't eat something soon he will die and he kills the goat and he eats it, has he stolen the goat? The law requires intent. You have seized the use of a goat that was not yours to seize. But do you intend to pay the owner. What did you do with the collar? What did you do the first time you saw people? He said, I killed a goat up there. I don't know who it belongs to. Can somebody tell me I want to reimburse him because it saved my life? That's different than the man who skulks off and hides and I hope nobody saw me kill the goat. And the penalty is different. One is actually, you know, he has to pay recompense beyond the value of the goat. The other one he has to Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, goat for a goat. Because he, he sees the use of something by necessity. And necessity makes the law. Another Blackstone quote. At least Coke says that more than once. The doctrine thus delivered we call the revealed or divine law, natural law. And they are to be found only in the Holy Scriptures and are found upon the comparison to be really part of the original law of nature. Upon these two foundations, the law of nature and the law of revelation, depend all human laws. That is to say, no human laws should be suffered to contradict these. So you have a right to make agreements, to make contracts. And they, those contracts make the law. And you have to understand how those contracts are made, they're not always written out. They can be constructed, and they can be just as binding as any other form of law. And we're going to bring all this together in the rest of the show uh, to let you know 
how the kingdom of God works. I pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation under the heavenly Father with grace, mercy, and justice for all. The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host cause and anywhere else the spirit may lead you do all to the glory of our god and creator for his holy nation the only kingdom that will last forever thank you for listening Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about law, because Jesus says the weightier matter. 
uh, we're talking about uh, it in relationship to the nature of the church. And whenever you read the Bible, you, you need to, you know, one of the things I discovered in studying law over the last 30, 40 years, 50, 60 years almost, because uh, I guess I was studying law at the dinner table when I was a little kid because my father was an attorney. But uh, uh, besides the emphasis that he always placed on the meaning of words and which words you use where and in which context, you know, there are definitions. If you look up in any dictionary, you'll see multiple definitions of a word. And sometimes they say, in science, this word may mean this. In law, this word may mean this. In, you know, where it is used and in what context it uses changes the meaning of the word. So that's very important that you understand that. But also, when you read the Bible, you need to always read as to who is saying this to whom and when. Because, you know, they're talking about Peter being Peter in the early parts of the gospel, but he was called Peter until the end of the gospel. So they're looking at, when they're writing this, they're writing this from the point of view of someone who has already lived that gospel, lived and walked with Christ, and they're giving you their uh, perception based on divine revelation of what they saw in the gospel, what the message of the gospel was. But when you're reading the epistles, it's often different. They're talking to a group that has been living in this gospel of the kingdom for some time. And they're talking about the people and to the people that have already stepped out and begun to seek that kingdom by separating themselves out from the world. Again, the word world in this context is the word constitutional order or system of government. You know, you read our pamphlet on not of this world, and you will begin to see how important it is to understand what word they're using where, because there are five different words that they translate into that word world. When you read in First John 4, uh, starting with verse 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, them, who's them? Because greater is he that is in you, in you, than he that is in the world. Again, the word world there doesn't mean planet. It means constitutional order or system of government. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us, he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby now we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He's dividing the people up to those that are of the world. Of what? The constitutional order or system of government. Of what? Rome and other governments at that time that were all a part of the Pax Romana, the new world order of its day. And they were of the world because they prayed to the world for their benefits. They registered their children in the temple of Saturn. By law, at birth, within 30 days of the birth of your child, you had to register him with the temple of Saturn or your local magistrates. And that was because that's how we knew 
if he was going to be entitled to the benefits of Rome, including total health care. Universal health care was a part of Roman law for periods of time, but then it was bankrupting them. Of course, they were also involved in becoming a uh, uh, the police power of the world, settling uh, disputes with the uh, countries all over the world and, and bringing the Pax Romana and stabilizing the world with their military forces, which also bankrupted them, to the point where they had to take all the silver out of their money and used only iron coin, and they also had a debt system that was extensive banking system uh, in order to move money around, which is why the Temple at Ephesus was the World Bank of its day, underwriting all the social welfare systems, which were bankrupting them, and making the people weak enough to be ruled over, which was the system of Q-O-R-B-A-N in Rome, Corbin, and a similar system was set up by the Pharisees and Herod called Corbin, C-O-R-B-A-N in the Bible, which Jesus says makes the word of God to none effect. That's a huge volume of stuff I just covered there. But there were two different groups of people. Those that were of God, who were taking care of all their needs and all their social welfare through faith, hope, and charity, through a government called out by God to serve the people, with the, the contributions of the people freely given and dividing those contributions from house to house, dividing the bread from house to house according to their need. They had to be extremely well organized. This is what frightened most of the emperors is, uh, when they considered Christians is they were so well organized and there were tens, hundreds, and thousands. Ten family forming a congregation and picking a minister. And then ten ministers picking another minister. This is the way the early church was organized. Because it is, you know, I have missionaries that have been in my house that come from uh, Indonesia uh, where they have gone to the tens, hundreds, and thousands because their church is persecuted there. And it's the most practical way of keeping track of their people. Well, we're not heavily persecuted now, but of course we're not really doing what Christ said, so... Uh, I wouldn't expect that persecution for most of the so-called Christians today who aren't really doing what Christ said and are following damnable heresies by ministers who don't know what Christ said because they went to uh, seminary schools that did not teach what Christ said and they're all under a strong delusion. But if we're teaching what Christ said, you can expect that eventually we'll be persecuted. We're not persecuted now. Uh, we're inconvenienced now. But we need to start learning to come together and be the government of God, the way the early church was, so that we will be prepared. The more we do now, the less we have to do later. And most of the people will perish because they haven't prepared their hearts and their minds and their relationships with one another and with Christ properly. They have been deluded by a false relationship with Christ. Uh, you know, fed by emotionalism and intellectualism and all these other things. So anyway, if we read in this John 1, chapter 4, it says, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them not. Well, that's what you do when you go out and vote. You go out there and vote and try to vote in a candidate who has the precepts of Christ, but it never seems to work. Why? Because that vote is of the world. You know, uh, if you go back in history, which actually on this day in history, 
uh, the first major ballot was staged at the request of Catherine de' Medici in 1581 at the palace in Paris. They actually were setting, uh, setting up uh, uh, different things. Anyway, uh, it was also the uh, Gregorian calendar was adopted in Italy, uh, Spain, uh, and Portugal, and France. Uh, this was this top-down authority. Uh, Napoleon began his exile. All these things happened on this day. These, uh, the Supreme Court struck down the significant part of the Civil Rights Act of 1875. Uh, all on this day, uh, Congress passed the the Clinton Antitrust Act, which is you know almost a joke today. Uh, but the reality is, these all these things are uh, are happening in the world and changing the history as we uh, uh, move through time. But the nature of man remains the same. And so the problem remains the same. If we go all the way back to Rome being invited in by the Pharisees to settle an international dispute as to who should be the rightful king, they actually settled that when they said Jesus Christ is king. It just so happened that in those few months when this took place, uh, Pontius Pilate happened to be the procurator of Rome on behalf of Tiberius, who had uh, bestowed him with that authority as he was very sick and ill at the time. And uh, Pontius Pilate was thought well of by uh, Tiberius because he was married to his favorite granddaughter, who both became Christians later on. Uh, all these things in history is part of that context. If you don't know that context, you can easily misunderstand what the Bible is saying. If somebody comes to you with a preconceived notion and tells you, oh, this is what the Bible means, you will misunderstand what the Bible is really talking about. Uh, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth, is born of God and knoweth God. It is not love to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. This is those of the world think that that's okay. They think that... I've actually heard people say that Jesus was a socialist. Well, if that were true, he should have armed all of his uh, apostles so that they could go around and force the people to contribute to the church so that the church would have the money that it would need to provide for the welfare of the people. That's a socialist. But that's not what he said. As a matter of fact, he actually orders that the vessels be not be carried in the uh, uh, temple anymore. And many Jewish historians and uh, uh, scholars will tell you that that word actually has to do with weapons. You know, they talk about vessels of blood and stuff. They're actually talking about swords because... Under the Corbin of the Pharisees, they were forcing the contributions. If you didn't pay your fair share, you could be arrested, you could be fined, you could be penalized. That system makes the Word of God to none effect. And ministers all over the world are now Christian, so-called Christian ministers are saying, that's okay. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He says you have to be doers of the Word. Yeah, if you're a believer in Jesus, really a believer in Jesus, you will be a doer of the Word. You won't earn salvation, but that's evidence that you really believe. 
if you're forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, you're not a doer of the Word. You're actually making the Word of God to none effect. And the church should be this, today, should be this total social welfare of Christians. So you need to come together. And this is why we're having things like retreats. This is why we're on these radio programs saying you cannot be a Christian and a socialist with a gun. You cannot. You don't believe in Jesus if, you, if you're doing that. You simply don't believe in Jesus. You're professing him with your mouth, but not with word and deed. Not with your heart and mind. And you need to be doing that. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. And he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. It is simply not love to force your neighbor. To force your neighbor's son to run before the chariots of the world. There's, it was absolutely against the law in Israel to have a standing army. They were not to do that. You were to actually have that in your constitution if you were to elect somebody who could exercise authority. That he couldn't have a standing army. He couldn't have a central bank. He could do nothing to return people to the bondage of Egypt. But that's exactly where they are today. Why do you think the soldiers were so angry with Jesus? Because he was going to disband the army and they were going to get their pensions. Why? Because the kingdom of God depends upon a local militia. We're not men of war. We're men of peace. But we're men and men for each other and come and stand with each other in peace for the righteousness of law, justice, and mercy to see to it that it happened. I remember seeing Malcolm X in a, a movie with Denzel Washington, I believe, played the part. And uh, they had a man, a black man, who had been arrested and beat up really bad. And he was in jail. And he needed to go to a hospital. And they were just leaving him in the jail. And he was bleeding and possibly going to die. And people were outside protesting. And they were all disorganized and yelling and screaming and kind of a riot. And the police were sitting inside just leaning back thinking, Oh, okay, let them all wear themselves out. We're in here. They're not going to touch us. And then all of a sudden, here comes Malcolm X with a bunch of tall, big, black guys wearing suits and ties, arching in a straight line, following signals, working together. Now, Malcolm X couldn't uh, exercise any authority. Those guys were doing this voluntarily. But they were organized voluntarily, organized. Not, not bringing guns, not... Threatening violence, but just organized together, walking together in a uniform way, and it scared the bejesus out of those cops. And they let Malcolm X go in and see the guy, and they put the guy in an ambulance, and he went to the hospital, and Malcolm moved his hands, and the guys walked away, and they were shaken. It's Malcolm X doing this. And it had that kind of effect. Can you imagine if men of Christ would actually come together and stand together? Not like a herd of cats. But as men of men for Christ, for the righteousness of Christ. It would take love to do that. Love not of self, but love of one another. 
But this is what the early church was doing. It was so organized by love of one another, by the common sense and the common nature of Christ, that even during the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, Christians were prospering. Christians today will not. They will not prosper. Uh, you know, the so-called Christians today, because they're not doing what Christ said. They're actually making the Word of God to none effect because they have become more and more heavily dependent upon a social welfare system that comes to them by way of men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. Now, the spirit of the church needs to be the spirit of Christ and the spirit of love. Your ministers are not to exercise authority over you. Each elder of every family, that whoever is the elder of a single family, is an elder in the church. Period. He's not appointed as an elder, but elders were appointed to do certain jobs. They were, and those jobs were responsibilities. Because in order to get your rights back, you have to take back your responsibilities. So elders were appointed to assume certain responsibilities for the community. Look out amongst yourselves, pick men you trust to do this for the community. Provide for the social welfare. But the basic structure was this tens, hundreds, and thousands. Ten families pick a minister. Ten ministers pick a minister. This is what was going on in those days. And it communed with God through love through the divine revelation that came to each individual family you know the the father is usually the elder of the family the eldest father is the elder uh, the, of the family but you think his wife has no influence she can bring the Holy Spirit in and hopefully that's what she brings to the equation and when the husband is stumbling she may bolster him up in the spirit and vice versa but without that spirit of love that comes by way of God's love in us, you can't form a church. You can't be a congregation of God. The church being the ministers, the congregation of the people. Now, you know, we're having a, a fall festival again next year, and we're going to try to make it really big. And. Well, I'd love to see a thousand tents out there. I don't know if we can do that. Uh, I can't do it. God can do it. But God needs to work through you to make it happen. He's not going to just... You know, Moses, when he left, nobody would be following him except that everybody was walking on their own. Everybody was coming together and organizing themselves so that they moved across that desert as a nation. Of course, there was lots of dissension, etc. But they became a superior people because they were people who accepted their rights by accepting their responsibilities first. That's how you get there. So it would be great if we could have that great communion here, and then we would like to have it in other parts of the country. But you have to work together, and I would... And encourage everybody to join the Living Network and find out really what were those early Christians doing as the decline and fall of the Roman Empire took place because you're going to need those skills again 
because the present governments of the world are doing all the things that Rome did to bring about its collapse. And they're doing it on a much more rapid scale. It took hundreds of years for Rome to completely decay and collapse. It's not going to take that long for us. We are a giant card house that's going to fall suddenly. And I can't say without warning, but some people will think it was without warning. <laughs> but but uh, fear not. We need to be that government of God. So we covered the, some of this stuff on uh, Baldwin. Uh, and uh, and on this concept of love has to be in you. That means you have to be sacrificing daily for others in one form or another. And that sacrifice should be organized and well orchestrated through a spiritual dance, harmony. You know, this who are who is going to be this hundred and forty four thousand? Whether it's a symbolic number, or it's probably actually there will be some 144,000. But again, uh, these things manifest themselves on several levels. Every one of us should be a part of that 144,000. But what do they know that other people don't know? They know the song of the Lamb and the song of Moses. Not just the song of Christ, but the song of the Lamb and Moses. When I read that, I realized something. And I began to put the Old Testament and the New Testament together and see what precept upon precept stuck up. And I was amazed. They are very, very similar messages in both. Almost identical in both. And in truth, the Spirit is identical because God is the same yesterday as He is today. And the world is the same. So the world is going to try to create an authority over the church. And it does this by getting the people, the, the congregation of the people and the church to submit and apply and pray and contract with them. Remember, in the Ten Commandments, you're not supposed to be making covenants, contracts, or constitutions with them nor with their gods. And by filling out applications, it's, the church doesn't have to fill out like a 1023. They go under the authority of one institution or another. If they incorporate under uh, the Commerce Department of any particular state, or if they file uh, their uh, organizational documents with the Department of State, uh, as if they're an institution wanting to operate under the authority of of the state instead of under the authority of God then they become of the world a constitutional order or system of government but if they don't file those papers and those applications it still does not make them the church what makes them the church is that they do the will of Christ the church is established by Christ for his purposes if they aren't doing that if they aren't preaching the kingdom of the, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand and that we should be seeking it and the righteousness of God on a day-to-day -day basis. But all we really have to do is believe. If you believe, then you'll be doing those things. That's how we know you believe. And we could be fooled even with that. But if you're not doing those things, then I don't believe you believe at all. So... The pulpit initiative is extremely flawed because 
they wondering why the IRS is holding all the cards is because they sat down to play cards with the IRS. And the IRS is all say, you don't have to fill out this 1023 if you're a church. So if you're filling it out, then you must not be a church. You see the problem? So we're going to take some calls when we get back. We'll be giving out the number when we get back. And we'll let you ask some questions to see if you can't figure this out for yourselves. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com Welcome back to Keys of the King. I'm Brother Gregory and... We're still talking about the kingdom of God. Uh, We've been talking about it all morning. And uh, there is a chat room associated with uh, LibertyRadioLive.com. The uh, address for that chat room is www.far.com. www.far.com slash farm slash chat. You go to libertyradiolive.com, you'll find a link to that. If you're uh, on that chat room and you have some questions, you can type them in. 
And I'm going to ask my co-host to get out the phone number. I've got it in here somewhere in our mobile office, but the place is a mess. <laughs> so, uh, Paul, uh, do you have that phone number if people want to call? Yes, I do. It's 414-395-2442. And I've been told that the better way to get to the chat is just go to libertyradiolive.com, and then there's a button you can press chat. So I guess it's easier than typing in the whole far.com thing. Right, right. I know there's a link on there. So uh, if they have a question on this, uh, that would be a good place if they they don't want to call in. If they do want to call in, uh, you've given the number, and maybe we'll give it again. Uh, we're talking about this concept of... Uh, 501c3, and again... Uh, I don't know how many times I've said it. All churches are considered 501c3, but being considered 501c3 is not the same thing as being under 501c3. 501c3 is a uh, particular part of the Title 26 of the U.S. Codes, which governs the IRS. And so even though that's not the only way that the church can compromise its status as the church established by Jesus Christ, that is certainly one way to do it by making an application and asking the IRS to be the overseer of their local congregation or their local church so that uh, if the IRS gets that power, then they can withdraw that recognition. We do something very similar here at His Holy Church that we can recognize the existence of a church and we can withdraw that recognition, but we don't have any soldiers that exercise authority one over the other because we are the church established by Jesus Christ. We're not the totality of it here out of this little uh, ministry. But we are men like men all over the world who are seeking to conform to Christ. And uh, we have a unique history that allows us to be in this position. But the uniqueness of our history is not nearly as important as the uniqueness of our spirit. Now, you'll have to determine whether or not our spirit conforms to Christ or not. And hopefully those that walk with us will see that we are, and if they see that we aren't, uh, we want them to let us know because iron sharpens iron. So back to John, First John, when he's talking about us as uh, children of God, as uh, not uh, of the world but in the world, which is a part of a long speech given by Jesus Christ. But John is speaking about this in the epistles. And this is after the fact, after Pentecost, after people have formed the tens, hundreds, and thousands, after the apostle says it's not right that we be over banking, actually is what they say there. The word tables is the word for bank. And so you look out amongst yourselves and pick men you trust to be over this. Now, at that time in history, Rome still had some silver left in the Roman silver, silver co- coin. It had only been... Uh, uh, devalued by about 10%, and so it was about 90% silver instead of uh, 999 fine silver, which is what they were looking for originally. About 10% had been taken out by Marcus Aurelius and uh, uh, Cleopatra. But uh, shortly after that, uh, a great deal of the silver was taken out by uh, uh, different emperors. Uh, started, I guess, probably the first major change was under Nero. 
and because uh, he was planning on taking off with all that wealth, and, and he did, evidently. Some people think that Nero was assassinated. I actually think that he, he had somebody else assassinated, put his clothes and his rings on somebody else and had that person assassinated, uh, you know, being the stage actor that he is, and then he took off. And that's what a lot of the legends say, that he took off, married a Jewish princess and went off and became... Uh, a uh, very wealthy man uh, who survived the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And uh, it was from that wealth that the Rothschilds came, which is very interesting. But uh, we could go on about that uh, and follow that lineage all the way down to the presidents of the United States. But uh, the reality is is that uh, this, what he's talking about in this this epistle, this love and not being of that world, that system that exercises authority one over the other, but a part of another system that lives by the perfect law of liberty, another government, another way to govern yourselves in the world but not of the world, was this church. Now, the modern churches don't allow us to do that. They actually say, if you want anything of importance to your life or your family, you got to go to the benefactors who exercise authority because we're too busy building our crystal cathedrals and our and our dead stone temples uh, to spend money on your social welfare, you, that's the job of government. But, of course, it is the job of government, but it's the government of the people and for the people and by the people will be doing that through the church because the church is the only true republic where the leaders are titular and don't exercise authority one over the other. That's going to leave a lot of people in the dust if you haven't done your homework. But the reality is that's really the distinction between God's government and the governments of Nimrod and Cain and and the evil Caesars who are workers of iniquity. So it says in here, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfect in us, or perfected in us whereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us his spirit. If we don't have his spirit, we're not the church. Whether you've uh, avoided 501c3 status under the IRS, whether you've avoided avoided, uh, incorporation, uh, it doesn't matter. You have to have his spirit to be his church. And that means your minister has his spirit and the rest of you get to have another spirit? No. The foundation of the church is the spirit of God in every man who is a part of the church, whether congregation or minister. That is essential to be his church. Now, we've got a lot of paperwork and stuff, but the paperwork's for the world. They don't see things of the spirit. We need to see things of the Spirit. And it's not the knowledge of men that gives us the things of the Spirit. It's the knowledge of God. And that divine revelation in each of us is the rock upon which he will build his church. We have a series that is available. or It's already started, and this is probably going to be a punctuation of that Spirit. It is the rock. The rock upon which he builds his church is this divine revelation in each of you who are seeking the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. And remember what we talked about in the earlier part of the show is that 
the law of nature is divine will. And he talks about, Blackstone talked about good and evil. You can go back and listen to that again. But that good and evil is not us eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but eating of the knowledge of God, the Spirit of God, the tree of life. And this is what will make us the church or not the church. And if we are the church, we will automatically be seeing loving one another. Not just hugging one another. Not just, you know, preaching some eschatology to one another. But actually sacrificing ourselves for one another. Being there for one another. Being minutemen for one another. And you cannot do a good job of that unless you have the tens, hundreds, and thousands. When Paul Revere made his ride... He got lost. You know, he got he didn't he didn't get the message out. But the guy who got the message out, and there were many other guys who got the message out, didn't get lost. And they got the message out. How did they do it? Because they were organized. They didn't just go running through the town and screaming and then, you know, like the old Bob Newhart just said somebody, you know, I couldn't get to sleep last night. Somebody was flashing a light on and off in the tower all night. And uh, I don't know what that was all about. But it says right after that, some guy some went riding to town screaming something. I couldn't make out what it was. you know. And a very humorous uh, antidote to the Revolutionary War. But uh, the reality is, is that they knew exactly where they were going because they were already organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And they were simply notifying the local people who went out and notified other people and notified other people. And they knew who they were supposed to notify. So by the next morning, everybody in the country knew. And they were moving accordingly to take a stand, not to attack an enemy, but to take a stand and say, no, you are usurping rights that you don't have. We have a right to our militia. Now, Americans today don't have that right to their militia because their rights stem from the Constitution and the contracts which they have made. And, you know, that's what we're talking about with the Baldwin article. Is that, yeah, they have the right. It's not usurpation to take away your right to bear arms because you've given them the responsibility of you shoot yourself in the foot. They have to take care of you now. Give you unemployment. Give you welfare. What should have been for your welfare is a snare. You can't say, I have the right to exercise authority as a free man and then, <coughs> excuse me, and, and then require that they take care of you if you hurt yourself. Poor baby. You can't have it both ways. Now, okay, you say, okay, I don't want any of their benefits. And so now suddenly you're free? No, they've, they've built a huge infrastructure so that they could take care of you. And they do a pretty good job. Now, you want to be free, you start taking care of the widows and orphans in your community. You start creating and gathering together with other people willing to do that. I'm going to see if I can get some more pictures of us up cutting wood in our community for our local widow and what we're doing to help and provide for her. Now, I say her. There, there's just about, there's a couple widows, but there's one that actually needs help. Yesterday, my wife and I were old people by some people's standards. I mean, my 60s, anyway. We were up cutting wood for people who are even older than us. <laughs> 
We cut two and a half cords of wood, stacked it up, and hauled her down for an old couple here in the valley. Are you willing to do that kind of thing every day? Are you willing to do it in an organized fashion so that nobody is overlooked? Can you imagine crossing the desert with a million people leaving Egypt? Half the stragglers would be lost along the way, but they couldn't afford that. They had to actually watch out for one another. Are you willing to start crossing the wilderness of today's society? Are Are you just walking the plank and running out there on your own? Because that isn't what Christ said. Moses didn't take people to the edge of the desert one at a time and say, run for it. He brought the people together. And John is saying, now this is John after Pentecost. John after they have spent time uh, dividing the bread from house to house. After the Christian community has become this ostracized remote community in the heart of the Roman Empire. Remote from their system, but right there in their midst. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The constitutional order order or system of government. The Kittim, the Romans, as well as the Jews. Because remember that Israel was to be the priest to all nations. Not just to itself. And that's what Christ was, his priest to all nations. If they will follow his ways, he came that they might be saved. Some did, some would. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Now remember that word God means ruling judge. Ruling judge. It's his law, divine will. Natural law in which we're not putting some other God between us and the God of gods. We're going direct. Individually going direct. That's the kingdom of God. The right to be ruled by God. Each of you the right to be ruled by God in your hearts and in your minds. And we have known and believed the love that God had to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Do we see, where's the love? Do we see the love in the community and congregations that we are forming? Here is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, there's lots of days of judgment. There's lots of times when judgment comes upon us each of us in our everyday lives will we have boldness in that that day because as he is so are we in the world no we're not timid about it we're bold about it we are minute men for Christ by being minute men for each other in order to do that we need to form a network of congregations of congregations and this was the purpose of things like the feast of tabernacles there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. We're, this is why I don't tell you about all the bad things coming all the time. You know, I have to make some reference to them, but I don't dwell on that. Because what I'm dwelling on is you really have love for one another. Some people, I, I met them along the, the whirlwind tour there, they said, Yeah, but why, you know, I'm already helping people, you know, like, you know, 
guy flat tire on the road. I helped him. How many old women are cold in their house in the wintertime? And you don't even know about it. Because you haven't taken the pre-love of gathering together and looking out for one another. I mean, it's like taking off across the desert and saying, I helped everybody that I came across in front of me. What about the 10,000 stragglers that you didn't see, that you didn't walk by? Didn't you send men back to make sure there were no stragglers? I always remember I walked down into Grand Canyon. You're supposed to take all those survival gear and hat and boots and all this kind of stuff. Big huge sign says all the things you had to take. I took a little flask of water, a pair of cut-off shorts, and, and I don't remember. Did I have moccasins or sandals on? I think I had sandals on. <laughs> and uh, I did go buy a wide brim hat. And went down there, and we could we could cover. I was with a buddy who was doing the same thing. We covered miles when everybody else was dragging their pack and all their survival gear. But when we were coming back up, we were coming on all these Boy Scouts straggling all along. We we had a whole scout troop of kids that were stragglers, barely making it up. We were carrying their packs and everything because they were just not going to make it. But the scoutmaster just left them behind. It is they can fend for themselves. Is that the kind of kingdom you want? I mean, those kids got to drop dead from heat. I mean, it was it was like 100 degrees in the shade down there. <laughs> and they weren't going to make it if we didn't help them. But the guy who was in charge, he wasn't helping them. Your pastors aren't helping you. They aren't your social welfare system. They send you to those other guys, the Corbin of the Pharisees. Your pastors are Pharisees. Now, they may want to repent. They may be good men at heart, but somebody's got to preach the gospel of the kingdom to them. You should be taking care of those things, and if you aren't taking care of those things for you and your neighbors, if you're just casually doing it when you come across somebody in need, that's not kingdom. The kingdom is well organized from the bottom up. The people are that fourth branch of government. In a in a re- recent uh, communion or uh, conversation, let's put it that way, with a major uh, company. Uh, his church at Summer Lake has been pointing out they wanted us to be registered with appropriate jurisdiction. We are. We're registered with the fourth branch of government. You, the people. For the people. By the people. That's why we're here. For the people who seek the righteousness of God. To be a priest to all nations. We're not registered with these secondhand institutions called Congress or the judiciary or the executive branch. We've gone right to the source. We're registered with the people. By your testimony, two or more witnesses, we exist as an institution of God. If that's what you think we are, then you testify to that. And you make our underwear. We've covered this in other broadcasts, that the people were to make the underwear of the Levites and the head covering of the Levites. In other words, they, they sign a document that says, we recognize his church at Summer Lake. We recognize his church at Lowe's Hills. We recognize that his churches all over this country and hopefully soon in Australia and other places. You've got to take the time to do that, to give them their underwear, their coverture, so that they can go out in the world. And when they say, well, aren't you registered with the proper authority, you can say, yes, 
were registered with the people. But the registration of his church is allows the ministers of his church all the freedom they need under Christ. They're not under the authority of the congregation. They're under the authority of Christ, and that's what they recognize. And they support that authority with their free will offerings, as long as that man is doing the will of Christ. And that's a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. Registered with the proper authority, which is the people who say, this is a man of God, separate from the world. Not of the world, but in the world. And I tell you, they're beginning to get the picture quicker than a lot of the people. <laughs> I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I, I, I can't give you all the details on that, but trust me, I'm amazed. So, did we get any questions in the chat or is the chat room in a world of its own, Paul? <laughs> the chat room is talking about chicken ranching and... <laughs> um, they have some good points. They're, they're cancer cures and milk and things like that. But there was one question in there that I want to relate to you. It says, Brother Gregory, can you talk on Jubilee 7 and 50 years? Jubilee 7? Well, Jubilee, years of Jubilee. Okay. I think it's 50. Yeah, Jubilee. He's, he's wanting the 7 year, too. Okay. Well, yeah, the... Now that that's a, that's at least a two-hour program in itself. But the, for people who don't know, they there was every seven years you were to forgive all your debts, and uh, especially when you had seven times seven, which is forty-nine. Then they had this fiftieth year, which is the fiftieth of seven sevens, uh, in which they called the year of jubilee. That you have really rolled everything back uh, to square one. Uh, the uh, Debt was slavery. Well, uh, a number of years ago, the Pope said this was the year of Jubilee. And uh, it may have been 2008 that was actually the year of Jubilee. Uh, The Pope had a year much older than that. It was back uh, during the... uh, I don't know if it was actually during the Clinton administration or just before it. But uh, the fact is is that we're in debt up to the ears and uh, everywhere within the congregations of the people you should not be bringing your neighbor under debt to you you should be trying to help him become debt free and congregations can actually do that we've talked about how the congregations got people out of the credit card system by paying off all the credit card debt and they found themselves prospering because they weren't under this usurious credit card system and they also counseled them to avoid getting into the debt in the future. And and it really brought the congregations together. And then they were talking about going after even mortgages. And, of course, if we were forming His Church Credit Unions, we could be doing that and trying to get everybody out of debt and using the credit union to have an access to this money system while it still exists to bring people out of debt and bring them closer together while they're coming out of debt. Um, and if we were doing that, every year would be a jubilee because every year we would be moving in that spirit of getting everybody out of debt, which was, you know, under the Mosaic Law, they created this seven-year period. 
and was trying to get people to consider that because people will go into debt and tell you the truth keeping the sabbath really has to do with staying out of debt it's part of that same precept uh you work six days and then you get a rest that you earned you you pay for things before you get them you don't get things you haven't paid for and then owe and that's really what Sabbath, the message of the Sabbath is all about. And that would probably take two chapters <laughs> to explain to most people. But you just think about it. Work six days and take a day off. That's the order of things. Not take a day off and then owe somebody six days of work. And which would be the antithesis of keeping the Sabbath. So in that... Uh, I don't know if there's more I could say on that, but uh, uh, all those rituals of the, uh, you know, when you throw out reason, you end up with nothing but rituals. And there, all those rituals had reasons to them. And all those uh, verses in the Bible are trying to tell you those precepts upon precepts. And so once you understand that, and understand it deeply so that God is writing on your heart and your mind, you will just, you know, all of a sudden when somebody explains these things, you'll say, oh, of course. Why didn't I see that? (laughs) Well, the mere fact that you see it after it's explained is a miracle in itself because most people don't. (laughs) Most people are still clinging to the ritual, which is a form of idolatry. So I don't know if that helped them. Yeah, maybe there's more questions in the chat room that they get off at chicken ranching. If they were talking about milk and whole milk, uh, yeah, whole milk is really a good thing. We've got a dairy cow that's come fresh here. Uh, hopefully we'll end up with uh, ones that are fresh when we have the next tabernacles and everybody can have good, tasty whole milk. Uh, whole milk is not homogenized. Whole milk is not pasteurized. And it's actually natural right out of the cow or goat or sheep and generally speaking you shouldn't need that but it can be a very healthy part of your diet and a way of storing protein in the form of cheese but that's another whole issue now what uh, do you we want to get out the phone number again yeah go ahead what you're talking about is whole milk is what is commonly referred to as raw milk i think whole milk raw milk that, yeah that connotation of just the the one with the red cap in the store you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not low fat; it's just whole milk. But I think raw milk is what you're getting at. Right, right. Raw milk is what they call it, uh, which actually sounds like a kind of a poor uh, description of it. But uh, we could call it real milk. Real. <laughs> Guess all the other stuff has been tampered with, and homogenized milk is really not good for a lot of people, especially people with thin-walled intestines, and it can bring about all kinds of allergy problems and mucus problems, etc., uh, because you've broken down those fat globules in an unnatural state. You know, my food laws are basically eat everything as close to the way that God made it uh, within moderation, and don't put anything in your mouth that you cannot pronounce. Uh, if you're reading ingredients, uh, half those ingredients in foods today you can't pronounce. And so stop doing that. <laughs> eat things, and also eat things uh, according to season. But there's a there's a lot more to it. But those are the simple food laws that I I apply. Uh, but anyway, 
Yeah, there's another question, like, but we can wait till the other side of the break. Yeah, why don't you give the phone number so that people can think about it before we go to the break? 414-395-2442. That's 2HHC. Okay, so when we get back, uh, people can call in and tell me off. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> well, I can't wait for that. <laughs> Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com The Greatest Prophecy DVD of Cross the Border Productions. Embrace the little-known but greatest prophecy given by the great high priest. The pre-incarnate Messiah reveals God's once secret plan for mankind. Believe it. Behold, the end times in Daniel chapter 2, because the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion, because if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Be forewarned. America, in prophecy, exposed for all to see. The mark of the beast, no, it's not a biochip. A much better and more secure technology is already here, and you are already using it. Two copies, one for you and one for you to give away when you send a support donation of $25 to First Amendment Radio. Use the chip-in event on our website or send $25 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, California, 93274. Make copies and give them away. Send $25 cash for two copies of the Greatest Prophecy DVD. That's First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the time to come. The Greatest Prophecy DVD. Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com 
Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Welcome back to uh, Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're talking about the Kingdom of God. Uh, looks like we may have a caller who's called in. Yes. Uh, hi. Who hi. Who are you talking to? Hi, this is Dee in California. Hello, Dee. Hi. I have a question. I know that as a Christian we are to come out of the world there is local groups that are trying to work to save their rights, like their property rights, etc., um, against this Italy program that's a United Nations beast. And I was wondering if, as a Christian coming out of the world, is it futile or fruit, you know, not worth their effort to try to fight the government on a local level, or what is your feelings on that? Well, uh, you know, everybody's coming from a little bit different point uh, and place, and this is one of the reasons why I try to get people uh, to understand the distinction between the church as ministers of Christ. It's very clear that the apostles were called out uh, it's very clear that the Levites were called out, and the apostles were the, the the counterpart to what the Levites were in the Old Testament, although we have a very poor view of what the Old Testament Levites were, because we have a pharisaical view of them uh, generally taught to us. But the reality was they were the government of God. They belonged to God. They were separate. They were the ones called out. Israel was just kicked out. It wasn't called out. It was kicked out of Egypt. But uh, they were called out to provide for the people as the government of God, not exercising authority, depending on free will offerings, etc. So the same thing today of the church. And the church should not be involving itself in political uh, activism. And unfortunately, the IRS knows that better than most churches. Uh, and when I'm saying church, though, I'm referring to ministers of the church. There's to be the government of God and not be altering the governments of the world except to preach the truth. And they shouldn't be restricted in the preaching of the truth. But they shouldn't be trying to get this candidate or that candidate. They should be. And if they were busy doing what they should be doing, that would be a handful, I can assure you. They wouldn't have time for the other things. But that doesn't mean that they won't be educated. For uh, That doesn't mean that people who are in the congregation, who are still a part of the world, they can't necessarily get rid of their Social Security numbers. They have jobs. They have uh, legal title to property. Uh, we are to be concerned with the weightier matters of law, judgment, and mercy, and faith. I've gone into court many times with people that are being abused uh, by the judicial system. Uh, and I've been in the state capitol and sat down and talked with uh, state senators on behalf of people who are being abused by that system, in that system. And so, yeah... I don't have any objection against people being involved in those things, but they need to have a bigger picture to realize that 
the world is going one way. It's like people who, you know, we have a lot of people that are very much in favor of men like Ron Paul. Because Ron Paul is very close to the kingdom in many of the things that he says. But the idea that we think that the solution is to get Ron Paul elected, uh, I don't have that illusion. If Ron Paul was elected and he got anywhere near the White House, he'd probably be assassinated. Um, the reality is, is the president that has the power to change the course of the whole nation has too much power. We know the solution is in changing our individual courses. So the answer is kind of a little bit of a cop-out in the sense that in the congregation of people, uh, go ahead and get involved with those things. Uh, I was just at a meeting uh, locally here in the community. They've asked me to speak uh, to a government agency on their behalf. Uh, and, uh, of course, the, some of them will speak, too. At a, a, I, I don't know what it is. A, it's a, some kind of a meeting where we're going to have they're going to have uh, I guess congressmen there's going to be an attorney there there's going to be a local county board there and I'm going to speak but I'm not I'm not I don't vote I don't have any part of that I'm a part of the church but they want me just to speak because I'm a man of honor and I can speak and all that stuff so I'm involved in these things but my primary goal is that people get involved in the kingdom in the ways of the kingdom and, you know, we, we end up helping people that are homeschooling. My son is actually even taught down for free taught at the local school. We're bringing the kingdom message to these people. Uh, you know, that's service to the community. And uh, so, you know, we're not restricting people on those things. Uh, as to whether it's a waste of time, that will depend on what spirit you bring to those gatherings and those uh uh, you know how you how you handle it. We know the solution is to seek the kingdom and righteousness, but sometimes seeking righteousness means that we'll go and speak to princes and principalities. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, you know, so it's it's really a spirit led thing. We can't make a blanket rule that says, "Oh no, you won't have." This is one of the things that one of the ministers, uh, Dan in Colorado, brought up, where people say, "Oh, we don't have anything to do with that. It's a 501c3 church." Well, no, uh, there's there could be very good men in that 501c3 church that are seeking the kingdom, and you're the only one that can bring the light in the room. So, yeah, we should be working together to to do the will of Christ in every place. Paul was going to the, the treasurer of Corinth and preaching the kingdom so that Corinth would change the way in which they were operating from this system of Cain and Nimrod more to look like the system of of God. And that's kind of what Paul uh, uh, Ron Paul is doing. Is he, he wants us to work more by faith, hope, and charity, and less by authoritarian rulers. So, but electing Ron Paul is not going to be the answer, and that's why I wrote the article Plan B because, uh, and even Ron Paul admits it, he can't change the course of this nation. A nation is a people, and the only way to change the course of the people without being a dictator is the people have to change. And in communion with those local people, you may be able to bring some light to them. But anyway, you have another part of that question? Well, no, I agree with you 100%, and I'm glad that you brought that to plain view. And also, 
I mean, more than just voting on a representative, I think what these local groups are trying to do is prevent the United Nations agenda from taking over their rights to, say, have water rights or whatever um, in the meantime. So I guess eventually maybe the United Nations will win, but I think that, you know, maybe the people of God can turn that around. I don't know if that's at all possible, but as far as property rights, that's a whole other question that I don't even understand. You know, I know we don't own our own property. It's God's property, and we are tenants of it for Him, yet when the government says it's their property, shouldn't we defend it for God's people? Well, we should, and you know that's why I wrote the book Covenants of the Gods in in the chapter Law versus Legal. Uh, we are actually we should be tenants on the property for God, dressing and keeping it, and holding dominion over that land in trust, because that's what God did when He said when God gave us dominion. He gave it to us in trust because we know it was a trust because He He put some requirements. He said. You know, you have dominion to dress it and keep it. Those are stipulations. So he's not giving it to us entirely. He's giving it to us in trust. If we dress it and keep it, we haven't kept it. And yes, the government is coming in and saying, now you own property by government suffrage. And through a chain of uh, legal uh, cleverness, they actually do. You're not holding that property for the God of heaven. You're allowed to hold that property for the gods of the world. And if you don't pay them rent, they'll take it away from you. And the reason we're in this position is we haven't dressed it and kept it, and we haven't been following God. So we have to always come back to the fact that God is our salvation through Christ. And this has to do with the way in which we govern ourselves in this world. But that doesn't mean that on an individual basis, because there are some usurpations that take place, there are abuses, especially in the courts, that are taking place, and that we can come together. And, and in that coming together and trying to defend what little legal rights we have, we may create the bonds that will allow us to eventually take that step towards the kingdom where we gain our lawful rights to property. As I see it, and uh, real quick, as I see it, we will get our rights to the property back. We won't get it back through legislation. We will get it back because this system is going to collapse. And the everybody's going to get their rights back, but everybody's not going to survive that process. <laughs> and that's that just goes with the territory. But go ahead with the rest of your question. Oh, oh that was it. I always wanted to thank you very much for answering it. Um, so as far as, you know, local government and trying to uh, keep water, say, rights, you you do believe right. that we could be involved in that. Oh, absolutely. And uh, if you go on newsreviews.com, I think I've got some articles there that have to do with water rights and, and, and that sort of thing. At least I was writing it. I don't know if I ever got it published. But, uh, uh, yeah, the the reality, they are, they like I was saying earlier, they're, they're dealing all the cards. <laughs> But the reality is, is that's because we sat and played cards with them. But the principle is love. And whatever status we're in, whatever condition we're in, there's still a righteous outcome. And we have a right to stand together with our neighbors for that righteous outcome. And it is righteous that you have dominion over the land. 
You're not going to get it by legislation, but you're going to get it by loving one another. And if you go to those meetings with the hope of protecting what last little bit of rights. I mean, it's like you're a slave on the plantation and your master is beating one of the slaves unfairly, <laughs> unrighteously. You have a right, even as a slave, to say, another, you know, like, you're you're usurping your authority. You're beating this man. He didn't do this. Uh, you should give this back to him. This is right that he should have this. It makes for a stronger community. But never forget that our salvation is always a walk towards a kingdom. Many of these people don't see exactly what that is, but they will see what that is by the spirit you bring to those meetings. And that's how you bring light into the darkness. And so we can't we can't hide our light under a bushel basket. So yeah, we do have to get out there and get involved with other people, but never lose sight of the kingdom in that process. And you'll you'll come in with more knowledge and occasionally you'll find people that will want to take it to the next level, which is Christ. Uh, and but you do it because that's where Christ has put you. He's led you to those people. So anyway, it was great to hear from you, Dee. What part of California are you in? Um, I'm in the foothills, uh, about an hour out of Sacramento, up in the foothills, in the gold country. Okay, okay. So thank you very okay, much. Okay, so do you know Justice? No, but I want to. You know? I, okay, I'm, yeah, I I'm got interested a call from in, him. I'm going to try to connect more with you all and get more closer involved. Okay. Thank well, you. Well, uh, Nitsan is coming. Yeah, Nitsan is coming back here for a little while, and then I know he's going to be going down. So stay on that uh, California network group, and uh, and hopefully you'll get to meet up with some of them. Uh, Nitsan and uh, Justice are are pretty active, and, but they come from completely different backgrounds. <laughs> and uh, that's one thing we've got is variety. So <laughs> you can spice up that variety when you meet with them. So great to hear from you. Okay, thank you. God bless. So, anything else uh, going on in the chat room, Paul? Yeah, yeah. I want to locate that question I was going to ask you. Sorry, it kind of scrolled off the top of the screen here. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, you've never heard this one before, I'm sure. What book of yours would you suggest to be given to a mainstream pastor to help open his eyes to the truth of the kingdom of God? Well, it depends on the mainstream pastor, but probably, uh, you know, and this really, you, you, need, you need the Holy Spirit in discerning this. I've given books that we're actually having a pastor meeting here later this week. Uh, I didn't receive a formal invitation to this one, so I don't know if I'm excluded or not, but I'll have to check with him. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, the uh, uh, higher liberty might be a good place to start with some. Um, Thy Kingdom Comes is good, but, uh, you know, we have a lot of things in pamphlet form. And uh, pamphlet form is kind of like slicing a thin piece of meat. Because <laughs> some of these things, it's uh, like a whole roast, and they're not ready to eat that. These guys uh, haven't even been on broth yet. Uh, so take a look at some of the pamphlets uh and it's a case-by-case basis, which is why we put the pamphlets together and you download those all on hisholychurch.org slash outline. Just go down there, look for pamphlets, booklets. And there's the body of Christ versus the body of state. There's one on marriage, etc. So uh, 
rather than give them a whole book. It kind of depends on where they're at because mainstream uh, is often way out there in the middle of the river. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know really what will bring them back. Uh, and chances are most of them. I, I remember a fellow came up to me and I had handed him the body of Christ versus the body of the state after about three-minute conversation with him. And... and Anyway, he said he'd read it, and he came back the next day at the this symposium and said, "Oh, that was the most interesting thing he'd ever read." And he's gonna—he wanted more copies. He was gonna take them to his pastor, and and I said, "You know, your pastor may not like this." And he said, "Oh no, they can't deny this is just so right on." I just, you know, not, anyway, he called me about three months later, and he'd been kicked out of church. Uh, his pastor and all the elders didn't want to have anything to do with him because he brought that pamphlet in to them. So. Be, this this is for the sheep that hear, and many people are going to have to change their churches. Uh, but I don't. We don't tell anybody to leave their local church, stay in there, because uh, you may be the only light in there. And unfortunately, the light is not always coming from the pulpit. It's often coming from one of the back pews, <laughs> the way in the back. So. Uh, uh, you know, so anyway, I don't, don't know if I can tell you. Higher liberty is good for some. Uh, free church report is a little bit too much for most. Thy kingdom comes not too bad. Uh, Covenant of God's is a big chunk of meat. But that's why we break all those are down in, in pamphlet form. So that uh, people, you can give them. And then you're not wasting all that money on a book. And all that paper and ink for guys who are not even going to read it. So anyway, I gave a pastor uh, some of the material over a while ago, and and he happened to come to a local event uh, that some of the people that were at the retreat came to, and and he was meeting them, and he said, oh, and I said, these are some of the people that came to the retreat. They came all the way from uh, Connecticut, etc. And I says they actually read the books that I write, and he just put his head down because he knows he hasn't read them yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but we're working on them. We're working on them. Is there anything else? Uh, any other questions? We only got about eight minutes, nine minutes left of the show. Uh, yeah, we can bring the number out again, 414-395-2442. And, uh, uh, again, I'm going to be over in Cave Junction. Uh, there's some information up on the net uh, on the the Oregon group Uh if anybody wants to meet with us in the Cave Junction area, we're going to be meeting with a number of other people. I'll be there Saturday night, all day Sunday, and then Monday we'll be returning uh, to do more work for the kingdom. Because <laughs> I think it's something like, uh, yeah, I think the pastor's conference starts almost immediately. Uh, so you're going to crash the pastor's so, uh, conference? Look at it. Oh, yeah, I'll probably do that. Go down. There. My <laughs> wife's cooking for them, so that I ought to be able to go down there. So, <laughs> no, I was invited to the last one, which was in the spring, but I was on the tour, whirlwind tour, so uh, I didn't make it. Uh, out of sight, so, out of mind. Uh, I think they they figure I'm coming. Just like my, uh, like I said, my wife's cooking for them, along with a few of the other women volunteered to cook for them. So. Yeah, it's all, it's an amazing thing that in in even these local churches, uh, there's always only a handful of people that are doing all the work. And Jesus had that problem back then. Laborers are few. 
And the fact is that we're we're going to be pushing this uh, 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 burning bush uh, feast of tabernacles for next year out here in Summer Lake, and we're going to try to make it a bigger and bigger event. But it's going to take a a lot of work, a lot of support. Everybody should be supporting local ministers. Everybody should be forming their congregations of record. If they really love one another, they should be doing that. We have some people that are actually falling away uh, because uh, people aren't conforming to their personal eschatologies. And uh, the Bible is not open to private interpretation. And you don't know them by their eschatology. You know them by their love. And that love is a sacrificing love one for another. Not just for those that you stumble on and need help, but you actually go out of your way looking for those who need help. And the first ones you should be helping are others that are going out of their way to look for people who need help. And that means forming congregation of record so that you know who each other are, testifying for each other so that you uh, are giving the underwear, weaving the underwear for your ministers so that they can go to the world and say, yeah, we're registered with the proper authority. We're registered with the people, which is the is where the authority comes from. God gave you rights, and you must license the minister who is going to serve you, and that way you can fire him anytime you want. <laughs> and the power remains with you. And the only thing you give up is your offerings to help support his ministry. You never give up your right to choose because you're operating under the perfect law of liberty, the exclusia, the the right to choose, the absolute right to choose. And so by the instruction of Paul, we let every man remain subject to the higher right to choose because that... That liberty is of God, and there is no liberty but of God, and anyone who opposes liberty opposes God. So far be it from me to oppose your right to choose by dictating to you what you have to believe and don't have to believe. Now, we have some basic parameters in our faith. I mean, the church was established by Jesus Christ. It wasn't established by anybody else. But if Buddhists, uh, Jews, uh, Muslims, Hindus were actually following their uh, founders in Abraham and Moses, they would be following Christ today. But they may not be following your average, everyday, run-of-the-mill Christian, but they would be following Christ because they were all in one accord. Moses and Jesus were in one accord. It is amazing that all these religions come out of the same man, Abraham, the man of faith. But... Almost none of these religions live by faith. They live by force. They live by fear. They're afraid that if the government doesn't take care of me, who will? Well, we need to have the attitude of Joshua. That though he may slay me, though he may not provide for me, I will serve him. I will not make covenants with other gods. I will serve my neighbor as I would want my neighbor to serve me in his hour of true need. In order to do that, we need to know who our neighbor is. We need to look for him. We need to congregate together. We need to love one another enough to do that and take the time to do that. I'm astounded at the number of people that have not yet formed congregations of record. When you do that, you give coverture. 
you give coverture of the people, the fourth branch of government, to the church. You you weave again their underwear. They're they're covered. Because they're naked. They have no authority. This is the same way the apostles. They were not the exercise authority. They were princes of the kingdom, but they had no authority unless you gave them the covering to be your minister. <coughs> but the the last true republic, the last pure republic is the church. And if the churches were doing what the early churches were doing in Christianity, the early churches in America, this would still be a free nation today. But it's not. It's back in the bondage of Egypt. So we're coming to an end, uh, a closing. Uh, I'm going to try to download uh, the blog talk and get that up. If you want to hear this show, you'll have to listen to it on LibertyRadioLive.com. Thanks, Paul. God bless. You're welcome. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.